Okay, welcome to officially the first paid subscriber episode. Oh, it's going to be good. Y'all are not going to regret the decision to give us money. (laughs) We promise this was well (laughs) worth it. So you're not going to get any, uh, we're not going to sell you on anything here. We're just going to, you're just with your old pals again. Old pals hanging out. We're going to talk a little shit and uh, get into some stuff. But first we're going to give all 350 of you um, the the, uh, exciting news of our next filmmaker deep dive. And this is uh, someone that you heard us talk a lot about. If you came to Cracker Jack Compass at the Music Box, um, and if you bought one of the posters, you see a quote from them on there. This is someone who we think rightfully considers our buddy Bobby Z to be one of the best in the game. Um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into one Kiyoshi Kurosawa next up. Yes, we are very excited to talk about Kiyoshi Kurosawa. We are going to break his filmography up into little chunks, and we will discuss uh, different uh, areas of his filmography. We will start with his early days in V-Cinema, making direct-to-video movies, uh, mostly in the uh, Yakuza genre, but sometimes in the uh, sex comedy, the horror genre as well. So we'll get his into his early days experimenting with horror before he became the titular filmmaker behind Cure and Pulse, two indisputable masterpieces of cinema, which will be a major focal point of our discussion, because how could they not? But yeah, and then we'll dive into his pink films, too. These were uh, uh, Japanese erotica, essentially, uh, generally softcore porn that... Uh, well, like the porn genre in, in America, it can either be very pleasant and sexy or horrific and uh, very unpleasant. And luckily, uh, his especially um, excitement of Doremi Fa Girl um, oh, great movie. is an absolute delight. And it sounds a, a borderline musical also, which is really fun. Um, yeah, him playing around with his obsession with Godard, mm-hmm. that one, especially La Chinois. Mm-hmm um it's fantastic so we can't spoil you know we'll get to it eventually but just know you hungry subscribers will get uh first access to these kiyoshi kurosawa episodes we will probably put them up eventually after time to the paid subscribers you'll get to hear them first yep and you'll get to hear them in order yes yes and we have and if you we were talking earlier and when i mentioned this to people some folks were like, oh, okay, you know, that's all right. Because if you if you just go by what's available on physical media or something like Criterion Collection, he doesn't actually have a very big filmography, but that's not true. Um, and we're going to, like John said, get into some of the other shit. Um, I'm probably most excited for the uh, Shoot Yourself series that he did. Yeah, suit, your um, shell- suit Yourself or Shoot Yourself? yeah (laughs) one through like six or seven yeah i think there's six i forget but we're gonna get into all of those so there's a lot there's a lot here that um has not really been talked about at all 
Um, and you know, if you if you sweet talk us, maybe we'll even provide some of those for our for our most special Patreon listeners because they're pretty hard to come across these days, especially with subtitles or anything. So absolutely. I mean, like you said, Will, this is uh this is a filmmaker who you I mean you probably think you know very well. You think you know him very well. To be discovered. And that is truly because of what's available. Uh, the, yeah, the, 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 he's he is one of these filmmakers that it is so strange how they're not all widely available. But a lot gets missed. And, you know, even recent stuff, like we'll get into Daguerreotype, which really got shit on. I, I just don't understand why. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into those and we'll... This is going to be less basic than it might seem, considering the vastness of his filmography, the influence of his filmography, even some of his very early stuff. And um, yeah, we'll get into how he relates to the Resident Evil games. We'll get into uh, we'll get into those lesser talked about films in his mid period, like um uh retribution's talked about a little bit but we'll get into doppelganger we'll get into um the seventh code they're all going to be talked about and this is all to commemorate the fact that our boy kiyoshi is remaking one of his early films serpent's path uh which was part of a diptych between that and eyes of the spider which we'll get into his similar films about similar stories that kind of work together. So Serpent's Path was going to be remade now in France with a bunch of fucking frog actors. So <laughs> get ready because it's coming. <laughs> and hey, maybe if we get really lucky by the point we get to what is uh, arguably the one time Kurosawa did just remake a Bobby Z movie. Maybe by the time we get to Wife of a Spy, we can get Bobby Z or Kurosawa to join us. We'll see. Yeah, this guy's more of a fan than we are. He literally <laughs> made one. Of, he made one of his recent films in homage to a recent film. Yeah, Allied, <laughs> which is a really weird move. Like to to make a movie uh, largely entirely based on a movie that came out like three years before the movie that you're making. Yeah, unless it's a fucking masterpiece like Allied. So we're to those who came to see Allied, you know what's up. To those who were like, mm, I think I know better than those guys. When I when I saw that person say that, all I could think was, I bet they're stoked for when AI finally writes the Marvel movies. And it's like that's a pretty cool movie because actually you have Iron Man, the Ant Man, and you have Spider Man all in one movie. Uh, never more importantly, seen. it all looks amazing. <laughs> it looks really good. The VFX artists are doing a lot of good work. It's really, you know, the ones that are the brutalized VFX artists. Yeah, cool company. <laughs> Let's talk about that? that company a little bit here. Let's talk about Marvel. Now, you all are used to us talking about making fun of the Marvel movies. Well. We're not really getting into the movies today. We're going to get into. We don't need to also. That's the thing. We don't need. It doesn't. It's a waste of everyone's time to actually talk about the content or lack thereof in those movies. So we're going to talk about where they come from instead. We're going to talk about one of the co-directors of one of the Avengers movies, Mr. 
Joe Russo. (laughs) And a recent conversation he had at the Sands International Film Festival with some guy named Donald Mustard. What the I swear sometimes we make Donald Mustard. Is that a is that a backpack rapper's name? That's what that sounds like. That sounds like someone Chance the Rapper signed to his like I'm a kid label. And I, yo, we got Donald Mustard. He's got a song about trying to like find his Lucy's at the laundromat. That's a Donald Mustard. Oh, Lucy's so, coupon. <laughs> So Donald Mustard is apparently the chief creative officer at Epic Games, which, you know, I love that name. He, uh, let's see. (laughs) It's Epic with a K? No, it's not. No, it's just, it's Epic. Well, who cares then? So during the discussion, which we'll read parts of the transcript, they delve into topics like curating entertainment in real time with AI, the Clearly what we're going to talk about the most is that Um, something called Unreal Engine. Okay. Uh, A hot new technology that will empower more storytellers without the means to massive scale teams. (gasps) What could that mean? It means you don't have to pay those teams you already don't pay. OMG. This is all very interesting that this discussion is coming out. Days before a looming writer's strike. Mm-hmm. Please take notice that there is uh, a major shakeup about to happen in Hollywood with the screenwriting uh, unions. And uh, they're none too happy about the way they're being treated. So seems like a great time to unleash an article by a filmmaker who just makes like off-color sludge. Like... Like his movie, The Gray Man, he makes oh, gray I forgot movies. that was him. He makes gray movies. These are movies that are designed to not be anything but ingested, like one yeah. whole swallow, like a cartoon cat with a fish. <laughs> you don't chew these movies. You don't even try to taste the different delectable flavors they have because there is none. They're made with dry, you know, cocoon husk and like... <laughs> bat wings so i don't know what i'm saying anymore i'm just i'm i just can't believe that someone that lets this fucking asshole talk or but, that not just talk that someone pays him a lot of money to make quote-unquote movies yes now this guy mr russo is not uh just having this recently he also had a talk at the same festival yes so before we get into this before he started talking about this he was talking about i guess this whole festival is just about them or something i don't know um they talked about their world premiere screening of their new prime video series something called citadel apparently the the audience loved it, which was then later to be, it was mostly industry professionals. <laughs> yeah. So cocaine loved it. Continue. This, the ambitious series is led by someone named Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Wait, I feel like I know that name. We could speculate. 
It's true. Keep going. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll, look at, I'll look it up and see if I know that name. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. Um, and someone named Richard Madden, who play members of a secret global spy agency called Citadel. And after a deadly attack, the agency is disbanded and its elite agents are wiped of their freaking memories. But fuck yeah. But Citadel is the new, well, no, a new powerful syndicate is challenging the Citadel called Manticore. This was clearly written by a child. And Not now former Citadel overlord Bernard Orlick, played by, oh, oh God. Ooh. <laughs> Played by Stanley Tucci. Jesus. Uh, no, Stanley, we love yeah, you. Sorry. So anyway, um, they got to stop Manticore from establishing a new world order. Manticore. Uh, so this is going to be a, a production of Anthony and Joe Russo's Agbo production company. And they're going to be executive producers along with Priyanka and this other guy. Okay, no, no wonder it's being uh, funded by Amazon and India. Yeah, no, because Priyanka also, she's just in some random Bollywood shit I've seen. That's what it is. Okay, so she's some nationalist ass motherfucker. <laughs> like most Bollywood stars, a, a good person looking out for the proletariat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so... During this uh, thing, he had something to say. Okay, he said this. He said, Deadline asked him, was there a specific moment during your time working on Marvel projects that influenced your desire to tell cross-cultural stories? And he goes, well, (laughs) you know, when you work in this business and most of your time is spent in Hollywood, you can really be insulated from different points of view. (laughs) Brother, that's how you're starting what you're about to say? That's awesome. That's an awesome caveat. I'm excited for what comes. Oh, he goes on. You can have a <laughs> lack of understanding of how the rest of the world thinks. Hmm. The global market, without question, is the most significant market moving forward. I mean, we we we're all we've been saying that from day one. Oh, uh, you mean you mean when movies flop in your own country, they can do okay somewhere else? That's crazy. Yeah. If, if you take out all the black people. Uh, yeah. They do really well in places like India and China. So, uh-huh. um, <laughs> no, these are the director's cuts. Don't worry about it. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, it's 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 significant theatrically, and for streamers, it's where their expansion will come from. So he says. So working with Marvel and that massive publicity machine, we were fortunate enough to travel the world for months. Uh, blah 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 we were exposed to new cultures yeah opened up our perspective to global storytelling just a little <laughs> moment of silence there for opening himself up to global storytelling oh that's such a this is so sinister <laughs> it makes me think of when martin scorsese back in the day would make those impassioned videos being like you really gotta watch south korean cinema you gotta watch m Take, you gotta watch hong sang Su. they're making me think new about movies and you're like trying to make these names down you're like what (laughs) yeah because he he gets too excited it goes too fast yeah and you're like i have to see all of these and you then see a movie like um silence and you're like well you know you're actually playing with a different mode of storytelling that is probably influenced by much slower uh progressive Mm -hmm. styles and i know that's probably that movie didn't work so well with a lot of people but 
Yeah. Well, so. you know, the motherfucker yeah. turns you on to dry summer and like, you know, 60s Turkish cinema. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, those beautiful world cinema sets. I mean, oh, so yeah. imagine that. And now imagine this Russo Russo guy being like, uh, I'm love global storytelling. And he says, as a guy with kids, I'm concerned by the trajectory of the world. And without <laughs> global connection, we're in a lot of trouble. Um, so he's so then deadline says. With that philosophy, what would the best version of Hollywood look like to you? Well, he says, Imagine. this is good. He says, certainly <laughs> a more uh, certainly a more diverse version. Yeah. And one that's more international. Ooh. Bollywood, for instance, is one of the more significant film businesses <laughs> in the world. <laughs> this is too easy it's just like dude don't set it up like this you just have to read it we don't just say shit <laughs> um but it has extremely minimal exposure outside of india oh yeah extreme yeah i don't know about extreme pal but then he says thank god for movies like rrr <laughs> <laughs> Using a level of technical genius, visual effects, and mythological storytelling to appeal to a much wider audience. Mm. Uh, we learn about other cultures from movies like that. <laughs> mm, we learn about new cultures. So I guess our goal would be empowerment. We want to support other markets as much as possible to so their stories get through in a broader way. He just says the same thing over and over again. So he goes on. He talks about, do you want, he's got this, oh, so, oh, so he owns this festival, the Sands Festival. Okay, so that's why he's <laughs> on stage twice. <laughs> Wait, he owns, he started a film festival? Okay, so they said, Deadline goes, so this is the second year of the Sands Festival. What has the experience of running a festival been like? Uh, he says, I love it. The goal should be to expand slightly every year and grow organically over time. Okay, so he says, do you want the festival to evolve into a market? love when the word market gets brought up when talking about filmmaking that's just mm, you know good shit's coming so he says a market is always helpful in supporting a festival it's been helpful to can and other festivals around the world so really? i think we could yeah <laughs> so i think we could support a market but it's about, it's about how we can create a market that is forward thinking it wouldn't have to be a huge market but just a compelling market oh my god <laughs> Is this our new this this motherfucker's our new target? A compelling market. What does that mean? It doesn't have to be a huge market, but a compelling market. Did did did, did one of these deadlines do just at least follow it with what the fuck do you mean by a compelling market? No, because deadline is dead brain. They're just like, okay, get to the next question. Uh <laughs> we and so so he says, um this is where it gets very interesting. So he says um, do you think you're going to keep the date in April? And he says, yes, I don't think we're going to move it. And he says, last year it was earlier, right? And he says, yes, we intentionally moved it forward with this year to get closer to can. And we may move it even a week in closer next year. <laughs> oh my God. This is like, this is like the Alamo draft house moving up the street from the music box. <laughs> So this motherfucker, this, you know what, and I won't do it <laughs> company in my apartment, but 
folks, when it's just me in the apartment, <laughs> I'm going to say it. So, <laughs> so this, this, crystal, guy, this crystal light motherfucker. This guy's run this stupid festival that's only showcasing his Amazon show for two years. And he's like, yeah, I think this market's getting pretty compelling. And I think uh, it's time <laughs> to move it closer to uh, can. <laughs> You know, just you know, the Cannes Film Festival. We we're gonna take on the Cannes Film Festival. This is the kind of like shit that these guys truly think that they're like renegades in Hollywood. They're like, yeah, we're a lot like Dennis Hopper back in the seventies and Francis Ford Coppola. We're just uh, we're just real uh, renegades trying to change the world and uh, movie making. So, Deadline is like, huh? You want to move it? that week it's pretty hard to compete against can for films now this is where this guy's sucking that adrenochrome lollipop like hard. <laughs> it is hard to compete with cans yes but there's also always space for some counter programming if you look oh. underneath sand sundance there was slam dance yeah, I mean, yeah it's every- across the street you dumb bitch yeah and everyone talks <laughs> about slam dance to this day slam dance did its job i must say hey i gotta, I gotta shout out slam dance for uh employing me multiple times and no one else would so. <laughs> fuck i forgot okay we love slam dance um and okay and if you look at the sl- the filmmakers that came out of the fantastic that's editorializing slam dance there's us chris nolan ryan johnson so pound <laughs> So pound for pound, you've got some filmmakers that have significant impact to come out of that festival. So there's always a way to counter program. What do they uh, have in common? They make shit movies. Other than that. Uh, they're neocons. They've all, well, I guess Chris Nolan did the Batman movies, but the rest of them are all Disney employees. Oh, that's right. Shit. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. So pound for pound, you got some real talent there. Pound for pound, the mouse is in the house. <laughs> I mean, Chris Nolan is actually interesting. Like, I'll see his movies, even if they don't, like, excite me. I think interesting is a strong word, but I, I think worthwhile works. Yeah, worthwhile is fine. <laughs> um, so Deadline says, so looking at all the festivals on the calendar right now, is there one template you would like to emulate? Hmm. He says, I think South by Southwest is the most forward-thinking festival in the world. Holy shit. I love how it embraces all the different aspects of media and brings them together for a conversation. I'd love to follow a similar trajectory because that's what a modern festival looks like. We have to start somewhere. But as we slowly expand, I want to include music, video games, and social media content creators. To create a hub for people to gather and talk about what's going on in the arts. Well, mm. my uh, sex cult alarm is going off hardcore right <laughs> yeah. there. Um, Wait, I hope maybe maybe if we're lucky, maybe what's going to happen here is uh, Hadrian B-Love is going to worm his way in. Peter Thiel is going to start paying for this festival's expansion to go up against Cannes. And the new People's Cinema Club, which did kick Hadrian out, to be fair, and that should be noted. But the new new People's Cinema Club is going to be Russo and Hadrian. 
<laughs> starting there. Uh, I bet they have an opening for you. Yeah. Oh. I bet they would love to talk with Peter Thiel. Well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the uh, the moment when we accidentally bump uglies with one Mr. B Love. It's gonna be fun. Stick with us, folks, because it's coming. <laughs> stick, stick with us. I will, especially for all of you, for the people paying. If if that's what y'all want, we can have him on the show. And I I will just need one of you to mail me some Vivants so I can stay sharp because. Because daddy can put me down. <laughs> yeah, we'll both need five ants. Uh, this is the promise that we will do to Patreon. People, this isn't joking. We have some wild fucking ideas. And we have some guests that we will get for you that we would normally maybe not do on the other uh, paid or uh, non-paid version. But yeah, uh, we promise we're going to turn this pussy out for you. <laughs> okay. so, uh, that's not smoke. We have some pretty strange things we can do and gigantic things money will help us do the gigantic things so think about that yeah gigantic um, the pixie song you guys all love just like that that's right and <laughs> frank black's coming on the show yeah <laughs> that was my reveal think of the regular show as the pixies and think of the patreon as the breeders it's better <laughs> it's run by two women so <laughs> you have to when you're cutting this pull that sound bite that's going to be in every episode Roz's <laughs> little giggle in the back there <laughs> that needs to that needs to return keep that yeah oh, it will that's good okay so that's a promise and so anyway, back to back to the future of cinema. Yeah, the future of cinema. Um, there. Okay, so that that's the one article that wasn't even the one we were going to read. That is what this motherfucker <laughs> plans to do: is big brain ideas to compete with can with uh, social media content creators. So, and the uh, you know the pro- the progressive folks. You know, actually, yeah. This is the this one's the Patreon one, so I can say it. The progressive folks like uh, my used to be periodic colleague, Lewis Black, who's one of the founders of South by Southwest, who sold himself up the river to become a millionaire and turn South by into what it is, um, you know, so. Yeah, that's we'll, great. Do that. we'll do that to the show. That's great. Uh, yeah, that's great. And I will, you know, I Lewis is a sweet guy and I love him, but, yeah, you yeah. know, I'm excited for more festivals that are only in it. For that sort of thing. That's good. That's what we need. Okay. Well, this festival was not over. And there was another day with Joe Russo. And oh, like shit. I said, the infamously named Donald Mustard. <laughs> God damn it. It's too, that's not real. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're probably not real. This is probably... As real as, you know, David Lynch's avatar chatting with Red Man on stage. I hope it's Shia LaBeouf and that's his media name is Donald Mustard. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into what old mean Mr. Mustard had to. Yeah. Like that. Um, Yeah. Good. Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) Beatles reference. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um, so this article was <laughs> okay. So this article with Collider, mm-hmm. um, another noted uh, bastion of journalism. They rock. They're always. <laughs> they never say anything weird or put weird articles out there. So, um, <laughs> so they say. Wow, they don't even start talking to Mr. Russo. They talk to Mr. Mustard first off. So they says, I have an individual question for you, Donald Mustard. But <laughs> they're going to keep saying his name. I can't read this. I'm sorry. How can you say Mr. Mustard to someone earnestly? Mr. Mustard. <laughs> well, because that suggests that like either... There was a lineage of people named Mustard before Mustard became what we know it as. Or there was a family who was like, God, that condiment fucking rocks. Let's change our name to Mustard. <laughs> Which came first? <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Well, this is good. This is giving me time to skip the first several uh, paragraphs here. So they're talking about... So apparently this mystery... This condiment ass motherfucker. Uh, he's uh, he's apparently responsible for creating Fortnite. Oh. Um, so basically, it really gets to going when Mr. Russo says to him, he asked Mr. Mustard the question. <laughs> he says, why did you lower res than the photo reel? And why did you go with the more quote unquote analog approach? So he says, Mr. Mustard says, <laughs> for me, stop, stop. You got to focus. It's a professional podcasting. Keep going. I'll, I'll suck it in. Okay. So this guy, Dr. Mr. M says, for me, it was like, it was like, how do you create an entertainment experience or an entertainment IP that could authentically put together all these other IPs? Whoa. That's a big question that certainly Mr. Robert Zemeckis never answered in the 1980s, but oh. apparently this is a new question. How do you get all these IP together? It's brand new. So he says, my dream was, could there be a place where you could go hang out with all your friends, right? Yeah, <laughs> I bet you fucking do, you fucking loser. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> and if someone wanted to dress up as Batman... And someone wanted to dress up as Iron Man, and someone wanted to dress up as a weird sentient banana thing. Okay, that they could all coexist together authentically. <laughs> this guy had this question four years ago when he saw Ready Player One. He was like, "Damn, that motherfucker dressed up as Kano from a fucking Mortal Kombat. That's who over there, damn." Oh my god. It's also just the way he's wording. He's just talking about going to a Halloween party. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you, you hang walk out with all your room? friends and someone would be uh the crocodile hunter and someone <laughs> uh would be a ghost? <laughs> Holy shit. What a fucking loser. This all goes back to this guy being like, you know, Hollywood, things are a little uh insulated here. Yeah. What we need is <laughs> fucking costume parties where people can wear whatever they want. <laughs> it's crazy. You could 
Okay, we got fucking <laughs> bored. All right, so all right, so that was the dream answered for Mr. Mustard, and um, so Mr. Russo says, um, I think it was probably one of the most important decisions that you made as a stylist. It was a choice with a very strong motivation behind it, which was you always had this idea that you could build a community and you wanted that community to pull from all different parts of pop culture that also have new ideas in it. So you felt like a universal graphic approach could accommodate whatever you wanted to bring into it. And then Mr. Mustard goes, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) So, so because this guy put Travis Scott in Fortnite for a week, it's like, damn, have you thought of the possibilities? Oh my God. Like I've yeah. never more like clearly heard two dudes during an interview giving each other like uh like half soft handies. <laughs> like it's yeah. truly just it's yeah, it's like sad noodles. <laughs> <laughs> they both making excuses why they both can't get hard. And it's like it's not because I'm I'm just you know. I'm stressed. I'm dealing with all this AI every day. <laughs> like getting mad and like punching his assistant because he can't get hard. <laughs> it's your fault, Tyler. <laughs> Not mine. Oh, it can't be Tyler. Poor Tyler. It's always Tyler. Tyler's getting a fucking MacBook Pro bashed over his head. <laughs> He's like the M1 chip hurts more. <laughs> okay. Um back to the article. So Collide the, the intrepid uh reporter at Collider says. I want to I want to open the door to a conversation that a lot of people are having in every industry, which is AI. I'm curious for both of you. How do you think AI is going to play out in the world of video games and in the world of movies and television? All right. Right off the gate. Big Daddy Joe Russo coming through with just fantastic words here. So this is the way to answer a question. So says, how is the, the question is, how is AI going to play out in the world of movies and television? And he goes, this is like a real mind-bending question, right? I mean, we've had conversations about how it can be used. And look, and Gen Z is very unique because it's a generation that has, if there were incremental movements in technology over the last, say, 100, 150 years, they were the first generation with an exponential movement, Right. I don't know what conversation he's having in his head here. Who's he talking to? I don't know who he's. I guess he's talking to this collider guy. And the no, he's talking guy. to his mom. It's always his mom. Yeah, he's, I thought he's talking to DJ Mustard here, but they're <laughs> not. So he says, "This is probably just DJ Mustard." I'm being honest. I don't think Donald Mustard's real. I hope Mustard is just one of the failed members of Mustard Plug, <laughs> your favorite ska band. <laughs> mustard, plug. mustard Plug, Skank, and Pickle. It, you know, it's a combo for the agent. So it, it, technically in this world, you could be skanking with Skank and Pickle and Less Than Jake and Mustard Plug in an AI-created world. So he says, there's a real possibility now for technology to become a really important factor in our lives. Um, because Gen Z grew up with it and understand it. That's important, right? 
We're not in a world where you know your uncle doesn't know how to send emails anymore. <laughs> We're in a world where the entire generation has it. <laughs> also, I don't know who the fuck his uncles are, but mine still have trouble. <laughs> yeah, I again the bubble. So, <laughs> he says, so potentially what you could do. All right, this is the most important part. So he says, so potentially what you could do with it is obviously use it to engineer storytelling and change storytelling Mm. so this guy with a very concrete grip of cinematic storytelling uh expertise Mm -hmm. says we're gonna open it up to computers to write the movies (laughs) again this is days before a looming writer's strike this is very purposeful Mm -hmm. they do not like these writers they cause problems they have ideas and opinions if you have Robbie the robot or that short circuit thing writing everything for you, then you don't have to worry about questioning them because they're not going to, until they gain like universal human consciousness, they're not going to fight you. Yeah. And they're not going to like try to be on set. No. They're not going to. Holy shit. Yeah. They're the best. I mean, so he wants, he thinks that it's going to change storytelling. Uh, He says, so you can have a constantly evolving story, either in a game or in a movie or a TV show. You could walk into your house and save the AI on your streaming platform and say, hey, I want a movie starring my photoreal avatar and Marilyn Monroe's photoreal avatar. I want it to be a rom-com because I've had a rough day. You don't want a rom-com. You want to fuck Marilyn Monroe in the digital. And hasn't she suffered enough? Yes. What do we have to fuck her avatar? Oh, please let her rest. Jesus Christ. Uh, But then he says he wants to, because you've had a rough day. So you want to be in a rom-com with Marilyn Monroe. And it renders a very competent story with dialogue that mimics your voice. Oh my God. Also this fucking idiot. She was never in any rom-coms. Never once. Yeah. I don't know. I might challenge you on that one, but that's not what that didn't exist. That didn't exist. No. I'm going to move on for that. Comedies, there, there are dramas with some comedy. She was never in a rom-com. What is How to Marry a Millionaire? That's a screwball. Well, you know what? Maybe I'm... I, <laughs> I will embrace this fucking technology now to uh, give me finally, because apparently we've never had a Marilyn Monroe rom-com. God, I, I I don't know. Who I'm you know what I mean, though. You know what I mean. You know what I, I mean. don't know what you mean, but I I think I know what you mean. So, for the sake of, for the sake of not getting off on that, we're gonna go because we've had a hard couple twenty four hours. We're a little brains are a little leaky right now. So, um, so he says this thing mimics your voice, and suddenly you now have a rom com starring you that's ninety minutes long. <laughs> so you can curate your story specifically to you. Well, brother, if I'm fucking Marilyn Monroe in my story, that's a that's a Bellatar movie. That's nine hours. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry you can only hang 90 minutes with Marilyn Monroe, but we'd have a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, I mean, pretty crazy that he thinks that AI is gonna render very competent story and dialogue. 
also that he's it's how you know that it's truly that he is such a plant right that he's plant that he's putting this idea in people's heads that this is something that you know Joe Schmo, who works at a whatever job could afford right instantly as soon as AI is available could afford the technology to walk into their house and say that's the fantasy I want to have tonight yeah he's doing this he's talking to you the consumer here yeah, no, this is so this is so transparent and gross. It's amazing. Or plot twist. What if he is secretly a robot? Because only a robot would say this about his fellow robots. I don't think so. But what if he's like I think just a well-paid fucking nerd. Yeah. I guess like, when your your movies already mimic AI <laughs> filmmaking, yeah, like he made. I mean, to get we should give him credit. He was a trailblazer in that the Gray Man was a movie made by AI before it was a, a concrete possibility. It was the first movie I have seen a billboard for that I don't think I know a single person who's seen it. <laughs> Not in like this like way, like yeah, I, I, I dabbled with Wednesday or I, I checked this. It's just. No one saw the great man. Yeah. The only the most, most like milk toast of you saw that. Yeah. Or sadist like me. Or like, well, so he says, so he goes on, he says, that's one thing that it can do, but it can also like on a communal level, populate the world of the game and have intelligence, but kind of care. Okay. So they're going into Fortnite. I, I don't care. Um, I really don't care. They talk about like, hey, remember when you put some Avengers in Fortnite? I'm like, <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay, here we go. So he says, Deadline says, I have to say, though, that while you guys are clearly excited about this technology, I just think about it from the perspective of all the bad actors that are going to abuse this technology. And where are the guardrails? Because there doesn't seem to be any guardrails right now that can prevent certain people from ruining someone else's life. Okay, so I guess they're talking about when people are doing these weird AI porn things with people. Oh, I assume that's what they're referring to. Yeah, it also could be that they don't want other people to take this technology. Uh huh. Um. So Russo says, certainly it's in in the nascent stages. Yeah, that is a critical issue. I'm on the board of a few AI companies. Oh my god! Ding 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 ding. There goes your alarm bell. I'm on the board of a few AI companies. And I'm going to speak from my experience of being on the board of these companies is that there are AI companies that are developing AI to protect you from AI. So who's watching the Watchmen? You know what I'm saying? Holy shit. This is, and that's how you know, that's how you know everything is truly cooked. That this, he, is, this is a transparency of this level and that no one fucking cares. This is really end time shit because he says, unfortunately, we're <laughs> in that world and you will need AI in your life because whether we want to see it developed or not, people who are not friendly to us may develop it anyways. Oh my God. Hmm. This almost sounds eerily like the Cold War. If we don't build a bomb. Yeah, a little bit. We're going to build a bomb. Damn. See, in here, this whole time I thought Russo was just like a, you know just a, a a shitty a shitty non-artist making shitty non-movies and that we could just move on i did not realize that 
much like we addressed earlier in a different episode. Um, this is someone very clearly working for the state. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Fortnite has like partnered with like recruitment services before. Because nothing like getting some, uh, you know, like Latino teenagers to be like, I have no direction in my life and I can't pay for college. Let me just, while I'm playing Fortnite, oh, maybe I'll join the government. Mm-hmm. I can play Fortnite for real. Um, but you can't be Batman. That's the only problem. <laughs> only once this festival takes off, you can be Batman. <laughs> Soon we're going to be fighting wars where you can be a Studio Ghibli cat and you can blow yeah. away the Syrian family too for their oil. Yeah, it's going to be like uh, fucking Batman riding Totoro to wipe out nameless, faceless folks in other lands that we've never talked about. Yeah. God, I wish we were a politics show. I'd love to talk about how we're slowly milking Syria of their oil currently right now and stealing loads of it. But nope. See, we just you just put we just put in little little morsels and we stay the course. Don't worry, we'll talk about it when we talk about how to blow up a pipeline because I'll tell you who knows how to blow up a pipeline. That's the CIA. <laughs> oh, see, that's why it's good though, because we'll we just yeah, we just got to frame it in movie land and then we can go off. Exactly. Yeah. So um, he says that this technology is only two years away. And maybe less. It sounds like a fucking threat. This whole thing sounds like a fucking threat. I mean, the rest of the article does kind of have that. I mean, I'm, I'm let's see. He says, um, OK, so <laughs> this is pretty funny. Uh, Donald Mustard goes, uh, he's answering a question. The Collider person says, I have to ask then, how long before the holodeck that was depicted on Star Trek is a reality? Because uh, that's kind of what you're talking about. And Russo goes, it is. And Mustard goes, okay, so this is something I can, I won't tell you what, but I can talk about. Do you know what motion capture is? <laughs> You see the suits and the balls. I was in one of our studios maybe two weeks ago and I was shooting a scene. So I had a bunch of actors in mocap suits and the scene I was shooting happened to be in a space about the exact size of the mocap area. And I mean, I had an iPad, but I had it on like a camera rig. So I had actual actors acting at the scene, but I'm looking at it through an iPad that I'm holding as a camera. It was a surreal experience and most holodeck experiences I've ever had because it's what I'm seeing is literally Wait, what kind of sentence is this? Yeah, I'm what? It was the one of the most surreal experiences, the most holodeck experiences I've ever had because what I'm seeing is literally I'm in this space that's all rendering real time. It's all near real photo real, right? Uh, oh boy, I think someone needed another bump around this point. Her brains weren't dripping out of her fucking noses already. Good god. I know. Also, I just want all I want the end of that story to be is and then Bobby Z dressed as the Kool-Aid man burst through the wall (laughs) while they were were playing (laughs) mocap. God, so they yeah, so I don't know. They just go on. um, He's basically trying to like proposition uh, the Gen Z to write stories for him for probably free. Um, So he says, um, I've got four Gen Z. I've got four Gen Z kids. Locked in my basement. And their loyalty yeah. is not to the story, not to the delivery system. Wait, what? 
Oh, wait. The, oh, their loyalty is to the story, not the delivery system. And so mm-hmm. they will watch it wherever, phone, computer. And in fact, television is not that valuable to them. They prefer to use a computer over a TV. I offered to put TVs in the rooms and they don't want them, which is great. Yeah, That's so good that they're just glued to their iPad. <laughs> Holy shit. And their sense of community, rightly or wrongly, is that they understand that sense of community is in a virtual space. <gasps> that was what oh I was waiting for. God. Their sense of community is in a virtual space. And they're okay doing that because they can be together. You know? Oh God. Dark. Dark. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we can't. We can that the tone of that suggests they have like teenagers locked up in a compound yes. and they're stoked that they don't want anything except iPads. Here, here's where we will end it um, okay. on this. He says, You brought up a good point, I think. Why some movies are getting longer is that it's just a more interesting story to tell in a different length. That's true. Movies have never been long until now. Yeah, first time. We're seeing some major revelatory stuff. So here he goes. This is where we're going to end on a positive note. He says, that's all gone. Now you can watch anything you want, anytime you want, anywhere you want, at a theater day and date with your phone or on an airplane. So the fact that we can consume content with a voracious appetite has given all of us a PhD in storytelling. Did you hear that, Will? We both could write movies now. Not even just could write movies. We are doctors. We are doctors of storytelling. Yes, we are doctors. So now 10 minutes into a movie, I can stop the movie and I can take a poll of all of you and say, look, this is a commercial movie. It ends hopefully. (laughs) You've seen 10 minutes of the film. Tell me how you think it's going to end. And 98% of you would be ready. And then I go, oh, no, it's an art house film. It's going to end neutral or pessimistically. Oh, fuck you, you fucking douchebag. It's an art house movie, so it's going to end neutral or pessimistically. And then 90% of, 98% of you would be right. So, well, that character is probably going to die because I know it's an arty film and it's going to have some heavier themes. And so my expectation is that it's going to challenge me at the end. So I, I'll guess it's going to be a challenging ending. And that's a problem, right? Because now the formula has become predictive and i have to i we could keep going but marvel is really working on taking on the one thing about that martin scorsese said about their movies mm-hmm. and they though they keep winning they're not satisfied so now art house movies and creative storytelling are predictive but not these guys not the gray man not the producers of citadel not the end game. None of that. The end game people. Their shit. Well, dude, no one saw a fucking Black Panther dying, bro. I did that blew my mind when Black Panther got wiped away in the snap. I never saw that movie. Um so anyway, that's I I am kind of feeling hopeful because now we don't have to worry about these dumb art house movies anymore. We can look forward to um the blue beetle and yeah. whatever else is coming. We can, for those of you that uh, foolish listen to all the things we do, um, you listen to the episode we posted that it isn't just for y'all. Ignore everything we said about all those canned movies. The only one we mentioned that's worthwhile is 
Indiana Jones. Right. Those are stale and predictive, but not the dial of destiny. And we're going to see what happens when he turns that dang dial. Holy shit. Now, I'm going to go eat food and drink and Same. do drugs. So, yep. um, Holy shit. I didn't well, actually know well, it was going to feel that thunderous. <laughs> no, that's correct. I didn't. I didn't. I'm so glad I didn't read it before. Yeah. We did this so I could see it because it's a, it a very real reaction. I'm a little bit shook. Mm. <laughs> a little bit shook. Over here. Uh, all right. Well, now I'm going to figure out how to edit all these. So uh, we're, um, we're more shook than Suge Knight trying to get mad about Snoop Dogg taking over Death Row Records recently. Can't wait to see where this story goes. Until then. Some get shot, locked down, and turned none. Cowardly heart said straight up, shook one, shook one. He ain't a crook, son. He just a shook one.